Hello, hi. It's just me. Rocking after Ray. Yes, I'm alone again. Other than Ray, still just me. But I, what do you think? I think it's fucking time. I think it's time. I think we can totally set up like a social distance guest thing. Like I've got two mics. At this point, I could literally sit outside someone's house and feed the cord under the door to them on the other side of the door, and we should just be fucking doing this. I'm gonna. It's time. Thanks for being there for me. That was a really good chat. Anyways, I do. I think it's time. Where you can do like those Zoom meetings, right? And then have like the actual conversation just like isolated, so separated from the actual video. Oh, I should do that. Like a like a group chat meeting with some of my most fucked up and famous. Oh my god. People I adore, but you guys think I'm fucking weird. Where do you get a load of my friends? <laughs> Welcome. Where's the fucking lid podcast? Ding. You have arrived. <laughs> we are uh seven episodes deep. That sounds fun, doesn't it? <laughs> and here you are. And here I am. And you've decided to embark on another journey with me through my mind. And I love you. You know, at first, the name, where's the fucking lid? I, I had no idea if that was a good name. Like, I loved it. And it fucking just made me all happy. But not everyone gets me, you know? Like... Then I was just like, fuck it. <laughs> to each their own. It makes me laugh, makes me happy, makes sense to me. Done. Here we are. And then it came to be. Oh, it came to be. <laughs> it literally came to be in the middle of the kitchen floor one night, attempting to actually match the fucking containers with the lids of the Tupperware. <laughs> is, that, is that the man's, the ex? The, the X-Man's house, okay? And I was approaching it in a very methodical manner. Like, I I was taking this seriously. I was calm. I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. And they were fucking sprawled all over the floor. And I was placing all the lids out and going through them one by one. But it just didn't make any fucking sense. Like, there was the right number of lids versus the right number of containers but at some point they just became the wrong size like completely unmatchable so i had like you know like 20 containers and 20 lids but none of them matched up it made no fucking sense like i just thought okay i'm just gonna lay it all out and go about the process properly and then it would actually work but it did not and that's all i kept fucking saying is it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Where's the fucking lids? <laughs> so then he comes, he was fucking obviously sick of listening to me repeat myself over and over again. And his approach was slightly more rammy when it comes to that shit or almost anything. And he just started like grabbing and trying to like fit them all on. It's just like, because I was obviously doing it wrong. And he, it was just, <laughs> but it's just, you know, using more force and trying it over and over again and like turning it around the other way. Maybe it'll fit if I turn it this way. And it's like, slam. 
is, no matter what, not for the lack of fucking trying, it still didn't make fucking sense. So you've got two different perspectives, two different approaches, and we're both in the same boat. No matter what you try in life, it'll still be the same outcome if it's something out of your control. And this was out of our control. The lids were just fucking God. Say the V. So, <laughs> so fuck, we just laughed. And hence, that just stuck with me. And the book came to life because it, it had a name. Right? And then we know this podcast thing. It was just, it was just a fucking fluke. And now they're both here. And they're creating themselves simultaneously side by side. And it's fucking fun as hell. And I love you. Life's funny. Isn't it? I mean, life is fucked. But it's funny. <laughs> right? It's like I say, if you're not smiling or laughing, you're fucking doing it wrong. Right? Just sprinkle that shit on everything. <laughs> There's always a reason. And I'm not saying 24 fucking 7. I'm not saying toxic positivity, okay? I'm saying laugh through the fucks, those moments, right? I'm saying at the heart of it all, in the beginning and the end of each new day, trusting that fuck. I've done this before. I've gotten through it. And I'm going to fucking do it again right? There's always a reason to remain grateful. And holding holding that sense of humor will literally make or break how you get through the hard times, right? I'm at the point now in my life that when things go wrong, I just instantly start fucking laughing like a crazy person. <laughs> During the rage and the crying, throw a little joker in there, right? It feels nuts. It sounds even crazier. But, you know, sometimes, quote unquote, the only way to remain sane is to go a little crazy. So they say. Like, I have no idea who they are. But I've tested that shit out and I like it. So smile, fuckers. Do it right now, like you mean it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, how do you like your coffee? Crisp. What? You like your coffee crisp? Fuck. Ah, Vera, you don't know from jokes. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. Uh, this week, Oh, you guys aren't going to like me. Guess what I got to do this week? I was in a position where I found myself presented with an entire day with no kids. Again, I know. Like I did stuff by myself, like on Mother's Day. Like I went out and did stuff with no kids. But, but this time, like... They were fucking gone. My house was empty for 24 hours, which is normally not the case for me or half the goddamn planet right now, right? Big deal. It was amazing. But at first, 
I was like, I started to fucking stress out. <laughs> it's like my mind, I was like, I was, I was all excited and, but my mind started racing thinking about all the things that I would do. <laughs> and then I started like stressing about how I was going to break up my day to, you know, make, make the most of this. Right. And I found myself, I was like, I started to feel like I was a kid again, like go back to the excitement when my brothers and sisters and I were kids, when we knew that our parents were going to be leaving us home alone, like to do like a grocery run <laughs> that would last like five hours. <laughs> but then, so when we were kids and home alone, this means, oh shit. Oh, I got a screaming kid. <sighs> okay, where were we? Crisis averted. Just nothing. Just a little bit of a nightmare. It's all good. It's all. It's all. Everything is well. It's. It's crazy. So, my youngest, he has nightmares all the time about the most random things. But he sleeps with a Jason mask right beside his bed, and <laughs> he refuses. And that's not what he's afraid of. Anyways, that's my life. Anyways, where were we? We were home alone. Home alone. When my parents left for the afternoon and we were home alone, that meant just one of a few things, okay, that we would do. We lived in a big uh, country farmhouse in the middle of fucking nowhere. So it wasn't like we could, you know, take off and hang out with our friends or anything. So number one on the list was torture sister. Okay. Definitely. Number one on the list immediately. Okay. Grabbing like baseball bats and like taunting. I think I even remember one of my brothers one time grabbing like a giant kitchen knife and we would like yell at her and she and we knew or we we thought that she was in hiding that she would instantly go into hiding because we would be so fucking psychotic but anyways like what was wrong with us anyways like i don't even understand she's just this little kid but recently her and i were talking about this and I was talking to her about how horrible we were and the taunting and the yelling and she she didn't even remember any of that. She didn't even hear it. The reason she didn't hear it or know about this was because she wasn't in the fucking house. <laughs> she learned very quickly, smart little thing, that as soon as my parents would leave or as they were leaving, the poor little fucking thing would run and hide outside <laughs> and she would stay there. Anyways, so there's that. And what else did we do? We'd sneak. You know what? And I might get fucking grounded for this right now if my mother was ever to hear me fucking say, we would steal chips. That's right. Steal chips from the forbidden chip barrel. Okay? Mom, with a little bit of a chip and uh, hickory sticks junkie slash hoarder. Okay? I mean, as much as we were permitted, uh, you know, a treat with a movie or snacks in our lunch, 
it's not like we could just go to the cupboard and grab a bag of chips and just eat it. That's just not the way it ever was, ever. That barrel was hers. Those fucking chips? And we were never, ever, 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 ever allowed to fucking have those chips, okay? So what we would do is I would always just reach for the bottom. It's like I would think in my head, there's no way that she'd like, you know, count how many bags of chips were in the barrel. Or I would take a bag that was already opened, all right? And then I would take like a little bit out of each open bag. And then you've got to make sure that you roll it up again properly and put the chip clip back on in the exact same position. That's what we did. That's what we did. Oh, uh, I also, we snooped. Definitely. Guilty as charged. I cannot remember how many times I got busted snooping. And I literally would ruin fucking, I, I would ruin surprises, right? I ruined Christmas for myself one year. I lost all my gifts except one because my parents found out that I was snooping. Christmas morning, I can't remember how they found out. Did I tell my brothers and sisters what I saw? And then they told them. I can't remember. I'm going to have to check on that. Anyways, I got busted. And not red-handed either. So it was like after the fact. So Christmas morning, I had to sit there and watch as all my siblings opened all their presents one by one. And I just waited and waited and waited. And then when we were all down to our final gift, I was allowed to open my one gift. My one gift was a gleaming white pair of winter Sorrels. Mm. As awesome as that might sound like in today's world, when you're a preteen in the early 90s, you'd rather be fucking dead than to wear those goddamn things, right? <laughs> so I would actually change them on the bus. We took a school bus like 20 minutes into town and I would literally... Oh, hi. Yeah, sorry for that fucking technical difficulty again. That was just a child again. <laughs> eavesdropping on my podcast. Holy shit. Anyways, changing on the school bus. Who's fucking guilty? Okay. How many fucking hands are in the air right now? Okay. Winter boots. I left them on the school bus and then I would change back into them when I was on the way home. Anyways, fucking Sorrells. Yeah, Merry fucking Christmas. Fuck. Um, chips only became better, okay? Those chips, those stolen chips... They were even more delicious while you were sitting on the kitchen counter, okay? That's also on the list of things that you do when mom and dad left you alone for the afternoon, okay? Sitting on the kitchen counter, listening to my brothers, laughing and yelling like lunatics for my sister to come out, come out wherever you are. <laughs> oh, God, fuck. Sneaking booze? No, no, we never did that. That was uh, that was a sign death. Okay, death, death warrant. Literally, the only time 
You don't do that when mom and dad were gone. The only time that you would steal booze from my parents was right from under their noses. Okay. While the music was going and the drinks were flowing and shot here and a shot there. And you pour it into like a glass of like your, our fucking Kool-Aid, right? Literally green Kool-Aid or a pop can, you know, that we were rocking and carrying around with us. One time, uh, my cousins and I had this sleepover and between all of us over several hours of the evening, we stole so much alcohol out of every bottle. And there was a lot of bottles. Okay. I think even a couple beers and like anything you could imagine. And we mixed it all together in, in a bucket, like a fucking ice cream white tub thing. Okay. We called it liquid hairspray. And we even set it on fire before we drank it dipped our cups into the bucket and we drank it drank it we drank it poison okay 14 15 year old bodies how did we not die so fucked up all i can hear is snoop dog right now that's what we listen to all night snoop one night so on the nights that and so the nights that my parents would have friends over or we would go to their friends' places, we'd be like, okay, so growing up, okay, so this is the way it is. And the kids went where the parents did. It wasn't like, you know, finding a babysitter the way that we do and we don't take kids if we're going to be drinking half the time and stuff like that. No, we went wherever our parents did, whether it was for a fucking few drinks or a goddamn sleepover. You get four to five couples together in those ages and then you add all those kids together and you've got a good 18 to 20 people, right? Easy. Anyway, so those nights right? Those friends, those weekends, (laughs) fucking days that would roll into other days. The parents partied and the kids were just left alone. Yes, they would feed us, but the kids just did their thing. And we were left to fall where we liked and sleep or no sleep. And it, it was never known if we were sleeping over at, you know, the friend's house or not, or if we were just staying until, you know, the early morning and our friend, our parents would, you know, deem it was finally safe to drive home. (laughs) These nights though, where we would all get together, you know, sometimes that meant nights of, you know, movie watching and the kids you know, in the family rooms and then, you know, making fun of our parents, you know, having dance parties in the living room or all they hear is John Cougar fucking Mellencamp and Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) Oh, so good. Summer nights, right? So, you know, it was either that or, you know, you know, the summer nights here, you're like, you're, you're outside all night and you can like, the bats are just like swooping down around you and nights of manhunt, right? For hours and drinking the booze that we had just snuck off of our parents in the, you know, outside in the side fields behind the house, hanging out in the middle of the country roads or the, the empty four-way stop of 
you know, the small town that we lived in, the yellow streetlights, hanging out in the parking lots of the arena, night runs through the, oh, night runs through the cornfields that would make your heart beat so fucking fast. You scare the shit right fucking out of you. Like you're scared, but not, not enough so that you wouldn't do it again. Right? Why do you always have to pee so goddamn bad when you're hiding or when you're scared? There's got to be, I can ask Bill Nye, there's got to be like a scientific explanation for that. Anyways, summer fucking nights. Summer nights of friends and young crushes and and bonds, right? Because of that. And do you know what? I'm I'm so grateful to still have some of them in my fucking life today. Like even in the last year, full circle, these people have come back into my life. It's all and it's all at the perfect fucking time. Hmm. Anyways, where were we? Left alone. Me. No kids. Yes, I'm giddy as fuck, right? I've got no kids for 24 hours. And okay, so the first thing that I do is strip. Okay, that's the first thing I do. When I know I'm going to be alone, doors are locked, the clothes off. It seriously pains me. Everyone thinks I'm so weird. Like, I, I tell this stuff to some of my friends and like, and like my sister. They just think I'm so weird. Like, literally, my sister, she's like, you're so weird. Anyways, it pains me. There's not enough people who fucking do this. Guys, never underestimate the glory of being naked in your home for the simple sake of just fucking to be naked. Just do shit naked or just wear your underwear and that's it. But And why don't more people sleep naked? I don't understand. Anyways, so that was priority number one for me. It's just liberating and relaxing all at the same time. And I was so fucking excited. But then I was like, it's a fucking gorgeous day. What did I want to be naked inside or did I want to tan? What about meditation? I mean, I could meditate naked, but that's kind of, yeah. But like a full hour long, you know, like self, you know, Reiki treatment. That sounded like just fucking orgasmic at this point because you don't get time alone to do that stuff in your house, right? And you need that silence, that uninterrupted time. I had some, anyways, I had some fucking serious decisions to make, ladies and gentlemen, and first world problems, <laughs> first world pandemic problems in the life of jazz. Anyways, I did it. I am very proud to say that I fucking pulled them all off with time to spare. Great time management, Jasmine. And I even took a long drive and got to see some beautiful faces from social distancing stupid perspective and it was so good though like I didn't even know where I was going I was just like oh my god it's a gorgeous day I've done all this I just want to drive and I just I just followed the moon I literally followed the moon and it landed me in some pretty fucking special driveways yeah but time alone that's sacred and I'm learning 
I have learned I definitely took for granted before all this fucking shit. You know, I've got the the normal schedules. Two younger kids shared 50-50 with the ex like fucking clockwork. And then the two, the, I've got young adults. I mean, and they were either at their dad's or with friends or boyfriends or gone for the weekend or in their rooms not wanting anything to do with anyone or at school, right? So much free time. <laughs> what the fuck was I doing? I can't believe I didn't accomplish fucking more. <laughs> I had a maid, man. What an eye opener, right? The simple luxuries that you take for granted. It's like, what do those fucking single parents do? Real single parents, like who don't have shared custody or anyone's help, like now or especially now, even during like COVID, like parents who are home all day, every day, no days off. Kids can't leave. You can't leave. No one can fucking leave alone. Like, how do you fucking do it? How do you cope? See? Like, this is where I need a guest right now. Like, that guest. Like, that person who is that fucking single parent who fucking tells me how they fucking deal with it. And I'm just like, I am not fucking worthy. Me. Okay? Me. Right here. Not worthy. Bravo, you guys. You need to treat yourself. You earned it. Like, whatever the fuck you want to do, what is your vice? How are you coping? Fucking do it. No one can fucking judge you or say anything at this fucking point. And as much as I know that there's no way around it and parents are all just like, oh, we just got to do what we got to do. We make it work. What the fuck? It's not healthy. I can't say enough how like people need time alone. Like it's what makes us better people. And it's not Taking the time that we have, so, you know, after the kids go to bed, that's your time alone stuff. That doesn't count. It really doesn't because that's, it, it just falls into place sort of thing. It's not making yourself a priority at that time. And that's what mentally people need to do. That's mentally the time alone that you need to have is where you make yourself that priority, right? But you can't do that right now. Like, I, I, I understand that, but you remember those, those, those nights out or those weekends away, like with yourself or just with your friends, you literally come back a happier soul. You're a better parent, a better partner, you know, a better you because mentally you took care of your needs. It's science. Anyways, you already know this. I've already told you a million times. But how do you do it? <laughs> how do you cope? Yes. Okay, let's do this. Coping vices, singles, or parents, or fucking anyone. What do you do? What is your vice? What is everyone doing right now to cope? Did you just answer me? You did, didn't you? I love you for that. Okay, now, answer me this. Do you consider your coping vices to be addictions? Or 
have they turned into or have they just turned into addictions since COVID? Or do you classify them as temporary addictions, COVID addictions? Or are they COVID vices? Or are you just using COVID as an excuse right now? (laughs) Or should I shut up now? (laughs) Someone just told me recently that I think too much. I told him maybe, maybe not. Maybe I think too much and maybe he doesn't express his thoughts enough. That's where I think we're at with that. But right now, in this moment, in my rambling, I think he's right. I think it's just the fucking, it's the world. It's just, it's the time that we're in. And it's not a rare thing to have vices, you guys, or addictions. How am I coping? What are your vices, Jasmine? Well, my vice, I've got, I've got a few, but I'm, I am very grateful to have all these outlets that I have right now, right? Like the book and the podcast and this other little thing that I'm doing that I can't talk to you about, but I have a small plant addiction, like snake plants to be specific, and they all have names. They all have snake names. Like it has to have something to do with snakes. Like you've got Mamba and you've got Jake and you've got Ka and you've got Hiss and anyways, <laughs> Medusa. <laughs> but vices. Okay. Um, I get high almost every single day on nature. I'm not joking like I'll go out for hours and when I come home back from a walk like my son when I come through the door he wants to check my my pupils because it literally blows his mind every single time because for a while he actually thought that I was smoking a joint every time that I was out but I was like no I'm not it's like but it is it's like a drug to me a highly addictive drug. Like being in the woods and walking in nature, it it doesn't it doesn't take everything away, but it reduces my stress and it clarifies and it it hugs me. Like I feel like an I feel an embrace and it in, like it instills an emotion in me, like an energy that I was lacking. Or that I run out of, right? And I go there to recharge and to ground myself all at the same time. It grounds me, like it grounds me down to a level where I know that I'm dealing with shit. And being there in the woods isn't going to take that away, but it produces this energy that just lets me know that it's going to be okay, right? It's not going to remove those things from my life, but like maybe like a fucking drug, it like it's like an addiction. It's what I use to feel all the right feels that I need to feel to deal. (sighs) Say that thing five times fast. Anyways, like I get high on connecting to the energy of the universe. Okay. Okay. I'm like fucking She-Ra, but 
without the great tits and the armor. <laughs> Look, if I go a day without it, I start to feel unnatural. Like I get a jonesing for nature. This is this is my true story. I'm not joking. Okay, but on a Jesus Christ, Jasmine, fucking level up with us type of scale. Um, I drink. I I like alcohol. That is definitely my normal <laughs> vice of like my my choice for sure. Like if I need a vice, like because sometimes I don't need to drink, and sometimes I wonder like. So remember the last podcast I was saying that I was like dealing with shit, having a bad week. And sometimes when I'm dealing, you know, dealing with my demons, I make that decision at that time that it's time to cut back on the booze. Like, okay, so let's clarify. The booze is not my demon. Clarify that. Booze has never been the demon, okay, the mind, the heart, the soul, that's where the demons reside, right? Alcohol is just a side note when dealing with them. I truly believe that. So fuck that. Okay, that sounds bad, but whatever. I'm just saying. Sometimes, and just saying, <laughs> when I say that, it means it's a fucking fact. <laughs> just so you know. So I'm just saying all the time. That's my just joking, but I'm really not joking. <laughs> I spew, you guys. There's no editing these things. That is my number one rule, right? So anyways, in this isolation thing, I literally was drinking every single day. And at first, I played a little game. It was like my challenge to see, you know, how far in the day could I push my coffee drinking before I started to hit the booze? <laughs> but like I said, when I'm in in the past and in this situation, when I really start to deal with shit, like when I'm going in, when I when I'm going in deep, that's what he said. I just I just stop. I stop consuming all of it. And that's when I know that it's, you know, it's it's some big work coming on. It's almost like a power thing for me because I'll still go to the store and I'll buy whatever I felt like drinking, but then I just leave it. I'd say, nope. Hey, you there, you, you bottle you and I'm here and you're there and I'm not going to fucking drink you. I'm not, I'm not opening you, you know? I don't know if if it's a testament to me proving to myself that I don't have a drinking problem. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, I talk to the bottle. Don't you fucking talk to your bottles? Jesus. So my friend, like a while ago, because I make points, right, all the time. So for the book and for the podcast, and blah, I was literally writing points to this conversation right now. And a friend of mine sent me this fucking video. It's it's a talking bottle of vodka. Okay, hang on. I'm going to pull it up. <laughs> on a kitchen counter. <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay. Where is it? Okay. And so it's this little bottle of vodka sitting on the counter. And it's 
it's talking to you. I'm, I'll post it on the Instagram page afterwards too. Okay, so here, I'm going to turn it up so you guys can hear it. <laughs> and play. Yeah, I'm talking to you. <laughs> You're thirsty. Is it time? You trying to be good today? Why bother? You got no place to go. Grab a straw. Screw the top off. Come on. Live a little. Let's get through this together. You know I'm delicious. <laughs> so good. It is a it's a it's a bottle of Tito's vodka. Anyways, so circling back, yes, I talked to the bottle, but again, so I I circle back that I go in phases. I'll go through times where I drink because I fucking want to drink, and I then I want some more, and then hey, fuck it, I'm gonna drink some more, but. I can also turn it off like that. I literally can. So to me, that indicates, no, Jasmine, you are not an alcoholic, right? And I I mean no disrespect in regards to this topic, okay? Off the top, I come from a long line of it's in your genes, alcoholics, okay? I've lived with it. I've I've loved it. I've been in love with alcoholics, so-called alcoholics. I'm fully aware of the reality of it all, okay? So I'm not making light of it, but I do have alcoholic tendencies, shall we call them. But I think half the world has those tendencies right now, even before COVID. And then I, I think it's just becoming even more apparent now. Like, I don't know. Like, okay, so we've got Drinking, she gets high on trees, uh, demons, yeah, i sorry, I just lost my train of thought, demons, everyone, everyone's got them, right? So, but only the authentic admit it, and only the brave and the courageous face them, deal and fucking slay them, like I've been there, I fucking get it, like I said, it's been a hard couple months for everybody, but you know, for me, a couple of years, five years for fuck's sakes, and I'm still slaying these ghosts. <laughs> you know, working on yourself is crazy and it never ends. You know, you finally get to a happy place and then boom, you got some fucking new shit you got to deal with or, you know, shit's coming in hot or it's, it, but it's growth. It's constantly unlocking endless levels of growth and it's so fucking worth it you just need to learn the coping devices to get you through it and it's literally the sexiest fucking love affair that you will ever have is this growth and learning to fucking self-love growth right it's not for the easily queasies what the fuck is easily queasies jasmine Anyways, and I get it. Like, I understand why some people just choose not to deal. Some people are just like, nah, you know what? I'm fucking good. You know, 
like, I get it. But for me, it's too late. I already fucking drank the Kool-Aid and I'm in this shit for life. It's messy and it aches like a motherfucker sometimes, but I've learned that it's it's worth it. You know, it's like, I don't know what analogy <laughs> to use <laughs> out there for men, but for women, I'm going to use this one right now. For mothers, okay, specifically, personal growth is like childbirth. The pain and suffering for the end result, right? The first time that the the first time you give birth, you truly fucking think you're going to die. Like your body's literally going to be fucking ripped in half. Like there's literally no light. There's no joy that can ever come out of the pain that you're going through. Like what the fuck were you thinking, right? But then you don't die. And then there's this beating heart in your arms heart that you fucking made and then you're changed you're literally transformed for life trans fucking formers <laughs> the transformation that our bodies go through during pregnancy uh, before birth it's uncomfortable it's mind fucking it's alienate it's it's alienating for some you know but it's just like inner work, but we keep going. And then think about the fucking like Autobot shit that our bodies actually go through during the labor. Like if someone was recording that in slow motion, like the way the body transforms like a fucking transformer. Okay. Like when the movies get slowed down, down like when you go into slow motion when optimus prime and like megatron and they like jump into the air and they transform before they hit the ground running again is literally one of the best things i've ever experienced in my life <laughs> it's, it's just a thing for me fuck it's like but during labor like bones and body parts like shifting and expanding and like moving into this groove over here. And then this one goes over here into that corner where it literally has no fucking business being. To watch that in slow motion would blow people's minds. Okay. Anyways, what I'm saying is that's a nine month process. Okay, during that entire nine month process, we go through a lot to give life, to bring life to another human. We sacrifice to give life, to birth a life. Do you understand what I'm fucking saying? Why the fuck shouldn't we be willing and able to go through the same, to give birth to ourselves, the inner selves? waiting to be reborn each time that it's time to grow to rise the fuck up give yourself that time right like it it's just a thought so yeah growth okay it's messy it's painful and i'm down now right 
fucking bring it because I've been through it and I just keep getting better and better, baby. <laughs> like a fine wine, they say, but with a lot more gray hair. But no more babies. I'm not having any more babies. Well, I can't have any more babies because I had the fucking surgery. Like that was fucking bullshit, by the way. This is a side note. Okay, ladies, I bounced back from all my pregnancy within weeks. Okay, tops. It took me months, like six months to get back to good after that shit. Okay, but I mean, I had no choice. My partner wouldn't do it and I can literally get pregnant with somebody just looking at me. It was terrifying. So I did it. Anyways, it really sucked and it's highly not recommended. But growth and slang, if you're there, if you're mentally in that space, if you're thinking and trying or dealing or thinking about slaying, are you in fucking full on slaying mode right now? Growth mode. Keep going. Okay. Newbies to inner work. You're my fucking inspiration because that first bout is the hardest because you've never seen life on the other side yet. And you don't believe that it's there until you see that life on the other side. You got to see it to believe it, right? Just fucking believe. I promise you, just trust it. All right? Find a cheerleader. If you need a cheerleader, or sometimes you just need someone to sit in the dark with you, fucking call me. Just do it, because I love you. I, you real, you real, raw, brave fucking humans. Little Princess Leia quote for you, right? She says, never be afraid of who you are. Fucking Princess Leia. Side note, you're a, you know what, Jasmine? You're a fucking side note. You're a walking, talking, fucking side note. The last Star Wars movie was amazing. Okay, I now have an entire chapter on the book that has been dedicated to quotes from Star Wars movies. They're so fucking powerful. And don't even think to tell me that those writers are not Reiki masters, fucking connected to shamans and like insanely powerful spiritual humans. Okay, there's no possible way. Anyways, these real humans I speaketh of, okay? The ones not afraid of the dark, the ones that are going, I say that I love them because I do. These people, they hold my heart, like truth. Like if I was to make a list right now of the people who I truly, deeply fucking loved, like family, friends, and lovers, people, like it's, it's the real, it's the vulnerable, it's the fucking black sheep, the weirdos, the damaged, the struggling, you know, the real. How does jazz feel about real, right? See, these humans that have an authenticity to them that I can't explain. And I mean, if you just want to even focus just on drinkers to the mix. Let's fucking do that. I love them. Fuck. They're real. K. 
Okay, now, I'm very lucky. I do not have a list of ugly experiences. And I mean, I know very few douchebags, bad drinkers. Most of them are actually women, not men, but very few of them. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'm not making light of um, those situations where there's people who do have those negative experiences and, and influences. But does it sound like I'm saying I'm in love with alcoholics? <sighs> hmm. Let's say that what I'm trying to say is that I have been, that I am more than fortunate. I feel more than fortunate than not to have these people in my life because they are a huge part of this group of real humans that I have truly loved in my life, that I still love. They have been vulnerable and open and raw and truth, like 3 a.m. fucking truthful. Okay, the veil is dropped. There's there's no ego. The baggage is fucking spilled open all over the goddamn floor for everyone to see and they don't give a fuck. And they give love and honesty and laughter like no other people. Like, and I'm like them. They are my people. I am like them, I say. And when I'm not like them, I want to be them. I want to be that vulnerable. I want to be 3 a.m. human 24 fucking 7 of my life. And I've been there in that position where... I will drink to be that person, but I can choose, right? There's a lot of drinking in this one, huh? Maybe that's part of my sleigh right now. Hmm. Anyways, like, so I can choose to vice it up or I can choose to stop. I can dive in and release that control of having control. It's a choice for me. Actually, now that I'm spewing that, I think that there's a lot of choosers out there, okay, like myself, selective drinkers. I don't want to say alcoholic because that term should only apply to the people who have an issue with control, who are unable to say no to the actual vice, not the choice. And I'm wondering how many alcoholics are there really? Like, I think the term's gotten thrown around for so long, and it loosely applies now to anyone who indulges too much, who drinks too much. But fuck, like, compared to who, though? And I think that some people do use the term too lightly, and some people use the term as a crutch. Like, they claim to have no control as an excuse to not have to take control, to not do the fucking work, right? What if the majority out there are choosers? Like, example, you've got fucking, you know, Joe Blow, Maggie Mae, baggage, inner turmoil, battling oneself every day, uses slash chooses to drink, through the day because it what? Fucking puts them in a better mood, allows them to just kind of fucking deal, just kind of, you know, focus on something else, allows them to function better as a human. 
which allows them to go through the day more efficiently. These are what we call fully functioning alcoholics, right? Or are they? Are they fully functioning, depressed motherfuckers with serious instabilities that are using alcohol to lead a normal fucking life? And this is how they take on every day until the time comes. If that time ever comes that they are ready to slay to do the work. And I've never met, well, maybe like once or twice, but the majority of the alcoholics in my life are fully functioning. Okay, so right now, in this moment, I'm really leaning heavy towards this ramble of mine. Right now, there are more choosers than there are actual addicts. And if you want to argue that point, then you're going to have to say that every single person in the world that uses a vice to cope with something is an addict because you're either addicted, no control, okay, or you have the control and you're addicted to making the choice to use the vice. Full circle, bitch. I don't think I can even repeat that. You guys are going to have to rewind that, think about it, and let me know how fucking stupid it sounds, okay? God, I wish there was someone here that would just challenge me. (laughs) I miss having debates with people, healthy ones, you know, where there's two different perspectives, you know, and they come full circle in the end and they just appreciate where the other person's coming from. You know, it's not the black and white shit. It's the conversations, you know, where you feel that energy, you know, bouncing back and forth. (sighs) Anyways, did I just find a silver lining? I always find the fucking silver lining. There's your silver lining, Jazz. Most of the alcoholics that I've encountered in my life are fully functioning ones. And maybe they're actually just choosing not to deal. Vice versus slay. So really, they don't have a problem. Holy fuck. Someone is actually going to fucking throw punch me one day. I am certain of it. The way I see it, if these individuals choose to slay or choose to vice, I still see a level of courage in all of it anyways. That's why I fucking love them. Because to face every day feeling what they must be feeling, to feel like this is the only way that they can feel, (laughs) like, okay, I don't care. I'm going to say this is my take on things. Think about the conditioning and the walls that people in this fucking world today have to deal with that they have built up around themselves, okay? And the delusion, the imaginary world that people build for themselves in their heads to avoid reality. Like the way that people today can treat people and the way that people can hurt one another in this day and age that causes serious fucking damage, okay? Self-repression, lack of self-love and respect. Like those walls are so easily come by today and it 
in turn, visors are made. They're created every single second of the day. All right. You want to talk about drinking though versus like, what about the delusional? Like you want to talk about sicknesses. What about the ones who create alternate versions of reality in their brains? That's a sickness. You know, comparing booze versus something. Like there's people that they cannot come to terms with their own actions look at themselves in the mirror so they spin a situation so far from the truth and they live in it and they preach it just to save themselves the pain right of that reflection of the truth like can you imagine going through every day feeling like that like all day the person that you have to be with is someone that you hate or that you regret fuck the relationship that you have with yourself is the most crucial though, right? And it's so complicated because you can't walk away from you. You have to forgive every mistake. You have to deal with every flaw or you end up stuck in this state. You have to find a way to love you even when you're disgusted with yourself. And again, I know we all have that choice. We either have to do the work or we just vice, or we do the work, or we just vice. But in the meantime, what if the vice is the way that we've learned to feel? This is what I'm thinking. What if people drink to feel versus numb things out? I know everyone says it's the opposite, but I don't. I don't feel less when I drink. Uh, my emotions are almost kind of, they're released, right? It's, it's the opposite. So by dropping those walls when they're drinking, they don't drink to numb the hurt or to forget the conditioning. There's no escaping that. But what if the booze actually just brings in more emotions that evens out the odds? They drink to feel something more, something to level it all out, to remind themselves that there's other emotions and other feelings, to remember that there is more than just that fucking numb that they carry around with them all day. And yes, they have a choice, but slaying is fucking scary. Remember, do the work, vice, do the work, vice. And the cycle's never broken, right? until and you don't get away with it you you can never get away from it until you'd slay until you go through the fucking mess that i talked about earlier and you give birth to yourself to honor it and so until they're ready they just stay in that fucking cycle and be quote unquote addicts and that ladies and gentlemen is one of my non educated fucking not backed up by any sort of fact or any theory on why I think people drink so much in this day and age. And I truly don't think that they should be fucking judged so harshly. Like, I'm sick of it. Like, I'm a fan. Sue me. Okay? Now, I'm not like a super fan. Like, 
I'm a rap super fan, a Nick Nurse super fan, Pearl Jam super fan. But like, yeah, I'm a fucking fan of drinkers. Okay? Fuck. Okay, what about the daily meditations? Okay? Yesterday's reading, and this is perfect. And maybe this is what's fucking sparked this conversation. I've just taken. Okay, hang on a second. I'm just going to take a chunk from it right here. It's about it's about addicts and vices. Shocking. It says, what has been our drug of choice? It may be alcohol, or it may be sugar, or gambling, or dependent relationships. Some have used anger, sex, sports, or the accumulation of money. Going through this process of healing, of growth, we learn of the great brotherhood that is to be had, to be learned. Our problems have not only been with a certain substance or given behavior. We've been seduced and trapped by a ritual of forgetting ourselves. If we hadn't found one, perhaps we would have found another. And in giving one up, we can always find ourselves drawn to a new substitute. We need to learn and accept ourselves. We need to move beyond the bounds of an oppressive ego. We need to let go and heal. <laughs> okay. So I don't know a single fucking human that doesn't fit into the profile list that I just read. It's, it's all of us. It's a message to send that we all have our vices and we shouldn't be ashamed of them or our addictions. Some addictions get a fucking bad rap and then there's some people who are praised for them. Go, like, guys, there's people who lead with their addictions. There's people whose jobs are their addictions turned into their actual passions. Okay? Guys, and this is why I love fighters, okay? The brawlers, the real-life Rockies. They're fucking addicts, man. Like, Okay, so back in the day, I was a UFC, like, boxing, boxing junkie for, you know, a couple of years. And my favorite fighters were always the brawlers, okay? You've got... You know, Muhammad and Sugar Ray and Forrest and Bonner and Bisman Couture, they're skilled, but they lead with the heart. That was their fucking superpower, right? I like me a good ground game, okay? And I know it's about skill and talent and all the different things, but they just don't compare to a good fucking bloody, sweaty fight, right? Like the brawlers, they just, their addiction has to be that feeling, right? That rush, pushing themselves to that point where your body's physical abilities are at its end and then something happens and they tap into that heart, that inner trust and overwhelming sense of pure superpowers. And before they know it, there's like this magic that is like taken over and they come alive and they just fucking go. 
I'm not a complete sports nut, but I love sports analogies and quotes and movies (laughs) and the raps because they're so inspirational, right? Sport mentality is more than not spiritual as fuck, right? Okay, hang on. Okay. So Muhammad has to be one of my favorites for quotes. I've got my journal. And okay. So we've got I have this one. It's written down. Journal 2. It is a black hardcover journal. And this quote is on page 35. It says, Champions aren't made in gyms. Champions are made from something that they have deep inside them. A desire, a dream, a vision. They have to have last-minute stamina. They have to be a little faster. They have to have the skill and the will. But the will must be stronger than the skill. Right, that's it right there, right? I mean, obviously right now I've got Griffin and Bonner fights. They're at the top of my the top of my mind. Like by the end of their fights, there was zero skill left. <laughs> they can't even stand. There was just blood and will all over the fucking mat. So fucking amazing. Musicians love them. They are dedicated. Their dedication to ripping open their wounds and searching their hearts and souls to create. And they lay their deepest personal thoughts and feelings into songs for all the world to know. Like, how beautiful and vulnerable is that? Like, to come up, like, to try and come up with that material that will just, just to resonate with people. And They dive into troubled times to create the best fucking songs that we've all ever heard. And then every time they sing these songs, they're reliving, they're reliving that tale. Every fucking time they sing that song. (laughs) They're addicts. Their connection to heart and soul junkies, true burn and risers, are the musicians of our lives. Religious nuts, addicts, Hank Moody, Cleaver Green, oh my god, fictional characters based on real people, I might add, addicts across the board, but who do we fall in love with? I love them. I'm an addict. My name is Jasmine Kellestein, and I am an addict. I've already told you that. I'm an addict, and if you don't already know, to the growth, to the dark, to the process of the burn and rise and repeat. (laughs) One of my exes used to say that I was insatiable when it came to certain activities. (laughs) Poor guy, right? Aww. I was. Who cares? Sue me. But Anyways, it was it was the same thing for the longest time with spiritual connection and with growth for me, that shadow work. I just wanted more. 
But now I've, I've done it enough to know that it's also all about how much you want to put into it. It's the old quality versus quantity wrap. The biggest bang for your buck, shall I say? <laughs> Look, anyone can get jacked off and move on. All right. But it's the same with learning a lesson and walking away. Boom. Right. You're over it. You release it. You move on. Just don't get it in my hair sort of thing. Right. Is the simple, the simple release itself is an instant stress reducer. So you have that immediate gratification and you feel better, but it's just surface shit. But if you really want to maximize that, there's a process and you need to trust the process. Don't rush it. You have to allow it to surface. You have to allow the fucking buildup to transpire. You need to peel off some layers. You need to go deep inside. You need to connect to that wild, true soul within you. And, and, and then you, it, it'll give you that strength. And then you allow that energy to take the lead. Maybe you'll experiment with some new toys, I mean, tasks <laughs> that will help you adapt and deal, right? To enjoy the ride, to bear through some of the discomfort as you push through the process. And it just keeps building and building and you can feel it and you're on the verge of something, like the energy and you want so bad just to break you want to just burst open to fast track to the end but it's not time you have to trust the process and then just when you think you mentally and physically that you can't you can't hang on anymore that fucking final push comes through and you crack wide open and sometimes you scream and you cry and sometimes it's so overwhelming that not a single sound leaves your body. And you're reborn. <laughs> Just like baby Jesus. <laughs> I hear Incubus right now. Pardon me while I burn. Rise above the flames. It's like sex, baby. Or fucking. That's what I mean, fucking. Remember in Legends of the Fall, where Tristan, Pitt of the Brad, is having a conversation with young Samuel about sex. And he says, uh, he, it, it, Samuel, about his, his, new, his new wife. And he says, have, have you fucked her yet? He says, Samuel says like, something like, no, no, I, I want to be with her. I want to make love to her as my wife, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> Pitt says, I highly recommend fucking. <laughs> like that's, that's what I'm talking about, okay? Factual. Every fucking time that you put in the time and the soul and the raw, the connection, that's the game changer. And eventually, you only want that. 
You want that complete burn and rise, the growth, the fucking, okay? Even though the jerk-offs are faster and definitely a good quick fix. In comparison, they're just a 24-pack of fireworks. And if you ask me, it's not worth sitting out at night getting eaten alive by mosquitoes for a five-minute show. (laughs) Booze, slay, and now fucking is apparently all I want to talk about today, you guys. There we have it. And now, so after years of my insatiable quest for growth, of falling and standing the fuck back up, things don't phase me as much. And it still happens. I just deal with it differently. When shit starts to happen, I'm like, ooh, this might be bad. This is going to hurt. Ooh, lean the fuck in, Jasmine, because we're going up after this shit is over. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes it's tiring. Sometimes it's like, fuck, again? But it's always been worth it to date. And it wasn't until I'd been going through this fucking process for years until I realized how much and how far I'd actually come. And I was able to look back on my entire life and identify all the times that I had slayed and grown. All the times where I did unthinkable things or great things or had unthinkable things done to me. (laughs) Not like that. It's all a part of the process, but it's like, you can actually you can actually do a timeline. There's a numerology timeline that you can do that will show you the patterns. Ah, numerology, back it up. Okay, define numerology. Um, numerology is like a universal language of numbers. Okay, it's a it's a type of some people call it a modern science sort of thing. It's connecting numbers to all beings and places and events through time. And it creates patterns. Um, It's, okay, it's the connection and the belief that the whole universe is a system, okay, which it actually is. And once it's all broken down and taken apart, we're left with the basic elements and the particles, and this includes numbers. And that By studying these numbers, you can actually uncover and predict information about the world and each individual by using this stripped down system, like certain dates and certain numbers and synchronicities are all part of the number system. And it dates back way back to like Babylon and the Egyptians and anyways. One of these studies states that your life goes in a seven-year cycles and patterns. And you will see the patterns actually repeat themselves. So science also states that over a seven-year span, the human body and mind is completely reborn. Seriously, every fucking cell in your entire body has been remade, reborn, grown anew over time, obviously. But so literally, we are all totally different humans every seven years. Seriously, this is episode fucking seven. I love it. Fucking.
Okay. So I'm looking, you know, like the screen on, you know, like I'm looking at my CD player right now. Okay. And the CD that was in there is now done and over and on the, the full length of the CD. Okay. Is 440, 440, 44 minutes and 44 seconds. Okay. So that's four, 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 four. When I was setting up, what are you talking about, Jasmine? What the fuck are you talking about? So when I was setting up new emails and accounts to get this podcast started, at one point I looked at the clock and it was four, four, four. I like synchronicities. Okay. I love them. I see them all the time. So at that point, I was like, okay, 444. So I'm setting up all my emails. I included that number in my passwords and in my login names. And the next day, I saw 4444 on my odometer. And now it's also the length of a CD that I'm listening tonight. And then and then I remember after I set up the emails, I paused Netflix one night and it was like right at four minutes and 44 seconds left to fucking go. Anyways, it's just there. And I just had to fucking rant about that. Wait a minute. Okay, we're talking about the number seven, right? Episode seven and fucking seven years and seven years. How much do you want to fucking make a bet? Hang on. Four, four. Four times four equals 16. One plus six equals seven. Ta-da! This is my life, and I love it. (laughs) And then, if we're talking about the number seven, what about the lovely Marilyn Monroe, right? She teaches us about that fucking seven-year itch. And that's a real fucking thing. But after talking about all this, I think it truly comes down to the fucking seven-year transformation. Like, not just about how absolutely irresistible she is, but... (whistles) Anyways, try that shit out, the whole numerology thing. I did it. It's a head fuck. Let me know what you find. It's kind of crazy. But did we... So... Did we figure out if I have a drinking problem yet? (laughs) Like, why am I forcing myself not to drink? Am I trying to prove something? Or am I trying to control the situation by forcibly making sure that I don't drink while I'm in an unstable frame of mind? (laughs) Or am I unstable because I'm not drinking? Winner, winner, gang y'all, gang y'all. I've got a sign in my house that says, technically you're not drinking alone if your kids are at home. <laughs> I always thought it, it was fucking hilarious until the other week when my nine-year-old daughter asked me to explain it and why it was funny. <laughs> but now it's not fucking funny anymore. She fucking ruined it for me. Anyways, so I think that's a, I think that's it. There you have it, folks. Like, I'm not sure what we're having. 
I'm pretty sure we didn't actually determine anything for certain there, but we did kinda, and now we know learn shit. <laughs> we know sometimes I just fucking want to drink, right? But I'm not leaving Las Vegas bound. Like, I'm a prickly pear. Follow. Okay, do you guys know what I'm talking about? The movie Leaving Las Vegas? I'm a prickly pear. He leans into the bar. He leans into the bar. Watch it. Watch that movie for fuck's sakes. Okay? So we know that. That I'm not going to Las Vegas. We know that women are actually transformers. Okay? Some of them are you know, Decepticons, <laughs> let's face it. And we know that bloody and sweaty fights are the best. And we know that personal growth can be just as hot and raw as fucking. And we figured out that we're all actually addicts in a dangerous time. And we know that I am magical. <laughs> Did we talk about that? We just know. And we know that you're fucking magical. And we know that when in doubt, strip <laughs> and smile. <laughs> because all the best things happen when you smile, right? And when you're naked. And we know that no matter what, for fuck's sakes, whatever fucking situation you're in, just be real. Just be you right? Whatever form or state you want to or that you need to be in to fucking get through the day, just be you. Just do it. If you want to change, do it. If you need help, fucking ask. Like, whoever you are right now is who you are and that's enough for, that's enough for today. That's enough for me, right? Share your thoughts or don't fucking share your thoughts. Take the leap or don't. I don't know you. I don't know your battles and you don't know mine. Right? You don't judge me. I don't judge you. Just just be kind. Right? Just understand that everybody's fucking going through shit. So you do you. I'm gonna do me. That's what she said. Very sadly. All I know, I know a lot, don't I? Like, all I know is that I know a lot and that I'm insanely grateful for all of you fucking idiots for listening and loving or hating. I really don't care. Just keep listening and share it with your friends. We know that I'm grateful for these amazing real humans in my life because, and, and, Everyone should be grateful for these humans in life because, again, they give more fucking real and they give more fucking love and truth and lessons than anyone else in my life ever has, right? Other than my children. <laughs> That's a perspective, isn't it? <laughs> Let's do 3 a.m. real talk versus out of the mouths of babes. Oh, That's a show. How many levels of unethical would that be? And do I care? Oh, oh dear. We should part now.
Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night till it be morrow. <laughs> now goeth. <laughs> Fucketh off. <laughs> I love thee. Even though you're all a bunch of addicts. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Talk soon.